You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. And so I, that that corollary is in our lives. You know, sometimes we have to kind of assess what that is, and we got to be watchmen to ourselves. Uh, uh, and see, you know, where those things might be decomposing, where maybe we didn't get that exactly right, or maybe we believed something weird, or maybe we came into that out of the result of a hurt, and we didn't heal the hurt, even though we got maybe the concept of of what God was teaching us, we didn't heal the hurt. So we got to go back and kind of fix that, and sometimes you got to pull the door frame out to get, the, to get it back in the right spot. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor, today joined by two special guests. First, we have Lead Pastor Jose Abaroa with us. Good morning. Great to have you. And we are joined by Worship Pastor, the one and only Ben Kiowski. Present. And welcome, <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> we took a week off because of the blizzard mm-hmm. or any other thing you could call it. Snowpocalypse. Yes, thank you, thank you. But we are back at it again and kicking off a new series on the Beatitudes called the Kingdom Manifesto. So Jose, I'd love for you to kind of not only give us a preview of the series, but also just a little bit as you prepared for this Sunday, amidst all the craziness, what are some of the things that God was showing you as you began to prepare for the message? Yeah, so Kingdom Manifesto, Manifesto being a written statement that, let me read the definition here, written statement declaring publicly the intentions, motives, or views of its issuer. So Jesus is giving us his kingdom manifesto, what it means to build our lives his way, God's way, rather than ours. And this week, looking at the Beatitudes, a lot of time reading different commentaries and wrapping my mind around, and and the connection really came when I tied the Beatitudes with being salt and light because it flows right through. And that's the beauty of what we're doing is going verse by verse is we're going to see how all of these different sections of this Sermon on the Mat, how it kind of flows together. So I'm excited to hit this and continue continue going. Yeah. And real quick, before we dive into the Beatitudes, I would love to hit kind of one, uh, each one here, but you kind of talked about the process as we go through this whole series about survey, demo, and rebuild. And so uh, just to recap, I have in my notes here, survey is asking kind of what's broken and kind of assessing. And then demo is taking things out and then rebuilding. So maybe share with us a little bit about kind of what that looks like as far as we hit each of these different topics. Well, what Jesus has already done here is he's flipped everything upside down. So what we saw on Sunday morning, this is the beatitude. This is how Jesus says is uh, this is the blessed way to live. And it's completely opposite to the way that we uh, would say is you know, a blessed way to live. And so it's important that we listen to what Jesus is saying and then survey our lives to see what's out of whack and then rebuild our lives so that it looks more like how Jesus is calling us to live our lives. So um, personally, I mean, I, I looked at a few and thought, hmm, yep, I need some meekness in my life. Um, and then the hunger and thirst for righteousness personally, um, you know, it's important to continue to hunger and thirst for the things that God wants. But I know that you're, we're going to go through Yeah, uh, yeah. Those, we'll, we'll get so. there, Ben. You are in the construction business amongst many other hats <laughs> that you That's wear. I right. uh, would love to kind of hear your thoughts as there's a little bit of this parallel coming out of Matthew 7 at the end of the Sermon on the Mount talking about building your house. And uh, and so just this concept of, yeah, surveying, demo, rebuilding, and just how mm-hmm. that relates to your spiritual walk. Yeah, I think um, toward that end, 
there are a lot of analogies to be had out there in the in the construction world regarding all of those things. Um, yeah, if you obviously if you don't have a a good foundation, you're not going to be standing long. But it's also important to remember that as we build our lives, as we do follow Jesus, you know, maybe we didn't always get everything right. You know, like um, I was just talking to a guy the other day. He said, he, you know, his house was built like two or three years ago. And and, and I've, I've, I've seen that house. I know the house. And it was done properly. And But there's a, there's a piece of flashing that was installed weird. And his door's starting to rot out in just a couple of years. Wow. Right? And so I, that... That corollary is in our lives, you know. Sometimes we have to kind of assess what that is, and we got to be watchmen to ourselves, yeah. Uh, uh, and see, you know, where those things might be decomposing, where maybe we didn't get that exactly right, or maybe we believed something weird, or maybe we came into that out of the result of a hurt, and we didn't heal the hurt, even though we got maybe the concept of of what God was teaching us, we didn't heal the hurt. So we got to go back and kind of fix that. And sometimes you got to pull the door frame out to get the to get it back in the right spot. So that's good. That's, yeah. that's really good. Well, I'd love for us to dive into the Beatitudes and just hit each one. Here's some of your thoughts. We don't have to take too much on too much time on each one. Um, but the first one here is blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Jose, you touched on kind of the world's response to each of these. And so the world talking about blessed are the self-confident for they can accomplish anything. And then kind of the survey question I love to share for each one. You had, how often do I depend on God? I'd love to hear, I mean, this could be a whole message. All yeah. these could be a whole yeah, message, but sure. just this idea of depending on God. Both of you have been walking with Christ for some time now. And so how do you get to that point where you are maturing in your walk and learning more things, but also at the same time remaining dependent on him in everything? Yeah, there's, um, as I'm sure you read when you're reading through commentaries and stuff, there's a myriad of ways that people apply the poor in spirit. Um and, you know, where those words all come from and what exactly all that means. But um, as best as I can interpret from my own personal experience, the poor in spirit is, for me, a connection with my own um, my own depravity, my own, the, the reality of my need is being, quote unquote, poor in spirit um, and, and, and being okay with and um, thankful for the way that God has created me in my need. And the fact that I do need um, God in certain ways, and so when we we when we're settled on our need, that you know, air quotes, poor in spirit part of us mm-hmm. is able to depend on God for those things, mm-hmm. is able to rely on some because we've we've realized and taken into ourselves and become reconciled in our minds and our spirit with the fact that we do have need. Mm-hmm. You know, the like you said, the self, the blessed, or what does the world say? Blessed are the self-confident. Confident. You know, of course, there's nothing wrong with being confident in who you are, but at the same time, you know, it's, if we think that we don't have a need, if there's no poorness in our spirit, mm-hmm. then we, we've missed the boat and we're going to have, we're going to have a hard time living a, living a life that follows Jesus. Yeah. I don't know if I said this, but I have it on my notes from yesterday that the kingdom of God belongs to those who are willing to receive God's love. So if we're not willing to receive, then it's really tough to um, walk God's way or build our life our way because either we're the builder or uh, God's the builder. I'm reminded of that Psalm. I think it's a Psalm. Uh, It says, unless the Lord builds the house, Mm -hmm. um, you know, then the house won't be built and uh, or it won't be built his way. And so depending on God is constant. It's not just a one-time decision. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Jose, you did mention something I thought about just the idea, even with this past week and all the church has been doing, you can't, we can't help someone that didn't ask for help. Like we, yeah. we can't mm-hmm. know about needs if, if we haven't been told. And so I think for me personally, that's, that's always difficult as I kind of go into the self-confident, self-sustaining uh, kind of independent mode. And, and that can, if that, if and when that seeps into my spiritual walk, that that's not a good place to be in. But uh, number two is blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. The world says blessed are the excited for they're doing awesome. <laughs> and then the survey question is how, or have I allowed the love of God to comfort me? I'm sure both of y'all have many stories you could share of that comfort, but how would you kind of maybe just encourage someone that's in a spot where um, maybe they don't feel like it's okay to mourn or maybe they just feel like they need to put on a facade in order to be around a community of believers. Yeah, this one is really cool because I can see, you know, in context, Jesus just healed a bunch of people. Jesus just delivered a lot of folks from demon possession. I mean, that just happened. So people are coming to see this amazing healer and deliverer. And yet the healer and deliverer is saying, blessed are those who mourn for -hmm. they will be comforted. So what he's saying is that this side of heaven, yes, we can see miracles. Yes, we can see healing and deliverance, but we will also see pain, suffering, and death. And God will bring about comfort, you know? And that's why we're blessed when we mourn because we have the comfort of, yes, knowing that later on we will live in eternity and, and have that promise of everlasting life. But there's something that is beautiful um, that cannot be explained with words. Yeah, I think of a few seasons in my life where I have experienced grief and I can't explain it, but that peace that transcends understanding comes upon you and you're just... You know, you just got to receive it, and it's it's a gift. It's nothing you can uh, conjure up or or make up yourself. It's just a gift from God. If you um, have the opportunity or the want to to ever study up on the um, the system of of um, fasting and celebration and all of that in the Jewish tradition, you find out that the fast is always pointing to the feast, and it's always it's always pointed that it's not about the deprecation of self. It's pointing to the feast. It's pointing to the blessing. Mm-hmm. And when I hear, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted, I think in, 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 in my way of thinking about God's sovereignty, it's that the mourning and the, the troubles and the things that we see that exist um, in, in our world, like you say, Jose, we're going to have trouble. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart Mm -hmm. because he's overcome the world. Well, that mourning is always pointing to the healing. That mourning is always pointing to the comfort. It's always there as a process to draw close to God because comfort is something that's close. And that mourning draws us close. If we allow... You know, and it's almost as if God knew what he was talking about. Jesus knew what he was talking about when he did the Beatitudes, because if we're poor in spirit, we recognize our need, then we're able to mourn and we can be closer to God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Well, I'm just going to keep rolling through these. Uh, again, there's so much with each of these, but number three is blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. The world says blessed are those who do what they have to do in order to win for they are unstoppable. And the survey question is how easy is it for me to lay down my pride for the benefit of others? 
focusing on meek. Jose, you kind of, and I'm going to butcher this probably, but the definition just talking about how you're reframing even though you have the power and the ability. So when it comes to like practically applying this, this is a conversations podcast. So as we try to like apply, <laughs> be meek, what does that look like as far as in both of y'all's lives and maybe what are some ways in which people can live that out? Yeah, I want to follow Jesus. So I think of Jesus, what would Jesus do? That simple question. Mm-hmm. Jesus laid down his life. He laid down his pride. He had every uh, you know, argument, every authority, all of the wisdom to tell everybody off and to say, actually, you're wrong, I'm right. And he never did. Um, he, the only people that he got really angry with were, were those that thought they were self-righteous and were uh, deceiving people along the way. And he got really angry um, when his you know, father's house was overturned or, or, or was being turned into a den for um, selling stuff and for profit. So, um, you know, I, I think of what would Jesus do? And if Jesus would be silenced, then I'm going to I'm going to try my dang hardest to also be silent and and be meek. So um, I would just take a big, deep breath and mm-hmm. choose meekness. I think it's good. Um, you know, talking about being silent is a big part of meekness. Like actually, practically, physically, be quiet. <laughs> and not, you know, I didn't just make that up. It's all throughout. I mean, if you read Proverbs, if you take Proverbs into your into your life and you take it seriously, it's a lot about being slow to speak. It's a lot about, you know, um, 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 circumventing uh, anger and quick response. And even if, you know, you read that, it talks about not responding quickly and some of those things. It doesn't even necessarily mean anger. It can mean other ways also. But I think being quiet and realizing that though you might be the absolute unquestionable expert in a topic, it just may not be your place to talk. You might not need to speak up. And, um, you know, I don't know, there's all kinds of sports analogies for meekness too. It's like, you know, when when is it time for you to to go as they say, you know, <laughs> and when is, when is it, when is it time for you to just chill out, you know? And, uh, most of the time, I wish y'all could have seen the, uh, ben, yes. I was, I mean, I was afraid. Most of the time it's time to just let God handle it. And I think meekness mm-hmm. and being quiet really points to that more than anything else. Yeah. And it is different than humility. I think meekness is, to me, the physical and practical act of yielding to others, but more importantly, yielding to God and letting him handle it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Uh, The next one here, number four, is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Jose, you mentioned some versions say satisfied with that. The world says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for success, for they will get it. And the survey question is, how am I pursuing godliness and loving the vulnerable in my community? So um, hungering and thirsting for righteousness or even just the phrase pursuing godliness are some of these churchy terms that we hear all the time. But but like, what, is that, what does that look like? What is <laughs> how this week, if I'm to pursue godliness or hunger and thirst for righteousness, like, Okay, that's cool, but what does that look like outside the church walls and, and just in the day to day? I think you know, culturally, it's easy for us to um, to have things in our lives that poison our spirit, just because there's so much of the stuff that's that's out there. Whether it's it's media that we consume in whatever form, you know, um, you know, TV, streaming, whatever, whatever, you know, um, whether it's that or or whatever else. I, I think uh, hungering and pursuing 
hungering for and pursuing righteousness at the most basic level is going after the things that don't poison us, right? I don't think it's necessarily trying to be uh, uh, perfect in a culture that's, you know, terribly imperfect, that's throwing stuff at us all the time. Um, um, but I don't, we, we need to make sure that we are actively pursuing other things that, that are going to feed our spiritual being, that are going to draw us closer to Jesus specifically. Spiritual being sounded a little, <laughs> but uh, no, that, that, that are going to feed, you know, our, the, the spirit within us and, and really seeking to cut out those things that poison us. And, you know, like, like Taylor, you might be able to watch a TV show that you think is great, but that's a that's a that's poisoning for me, or vice versa. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So we yeah. cut those things out. That's a practical, just one practical idea that I think of. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And that's a good point, Ben, because we're consuming something always. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a really good call, practical call to not consume as much, and to pray, and to ask. Lord, what would what do you want? You know, what do you want for my day? What do you want for this situation that I'm going through? And um, I do think that when you know someone just shared today in team meeting about an unfortunate situation throughout last week that you know some folks took advantage and stole some things from a grocery store when the power went out, and you see things like that, and that's you know if if when you when you get angry at things like that, that's that's hungering for righteousness mm. because you want righteousness in that situation. You want justice to, to happen. And so what I love about this is that God's saying that when we hunger and when we thirst for things like that, we will be satisfied. So we're relying on God to be the instrument. We're maybe not seeking out, the, uh, being, out the, being the solution, but we're saying, Lord, this isn't right. And uh, how harder though is it to look inside mm. and want us to be in right standing with the Lord and wanting, um, you know, spiritual alignments within us so that we're living God's way and not our own. And I think when we are hungry, uh, you know, talking to young men with certain issues, you know, some of them are like, God, I, I do not want to have this issue anymore. That's hungering and thirsting yeah. for righteousness. And what happens is sanctification. You will be satisfied mm-hmm. because of the power of the, uh, of the cross, not because of yeah. any effort by a human, um, but God is able to satisfy that um, hunger and thirst in us. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really that's really good. I want to go on to the next one here. Focus on mercy. Number five is blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The world says blessed are those who get even. Oh, what did I write? Blessed are those who get. Oh, get even, for no one can push them around. And then the survey question is, how am I extending mercy to those who do not deserve it? So we talked a little about meekness, uh, Ben. You mentioned a little about humility. Where does kind of mercy play into this? And and uh, besides the game you would play back in like elementary school. <laughs> I, just, we, I just taught my son Titus mercy. How do you show mercy? And he's, he's great because he's not quick to say it. <laughs> how, do we, how do we embody uh, a life full of mercy to those around us? Uh, I mean, I think um, it's very uncommon to seek out those who require mercy. And so I think that in order to live that out, we have to be looking for an opportunity to give mercy because I think it's easy, very, very easy to avoid the situations in our life where we are required to give mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, I think about some situations and some relationships that I have in my own life with with some folks um, 
and they require a lot of mercy and they've um and they've cost me money and they've cost me time and uh, you know as as a builder in town my reputation is important for me um they've cost me some reputation but their life is more important than what they do mm-hmm. yeah and them coming to know Jesus is more important than my reputation. Mm. So, yeah, um. I think that's what I think we have to look for the opportunities to give mercy. Mm-hmm. And mercy, Ben, you doing that, it reverses what they deserve. Yeah. You know, when we wrong somebody, when we mess up, when we fall short, when we don't measure up, we deserve a consequence. Right. But when we give mercy, we're annulling the consequence as far as we're able. So if someone wrongs us and we give them mercy, what we've done is we've reversed that consequence. And that's what Jesus did for us. He said, no more consequence, no more death. We're done with the separation thing. I paid the price. Mm -hmm. So now we have hope. We have everlasting life. And if we want things to change in this world, then we need to be merciful. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we're just going to continue the cycle of sin and death in every situation, personal, professional, Mm -hmm. you know, with neighbors, with friends. Mm -hmm. And the way of mercy is better. What is the promise? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Think yeah. of later in the Sermon mm-hmm. on the Mount when Jesus is talking about, um, you know, forgiving those. I think it's in Matthew, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when he says, you know, those that, uh, if you forgive others, then I will forgive you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you withhold forgiveness from others, then what, what's happening is we're cutting off that mercy valve, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we can't do that as free recipients of grace. It's got to flow through it's super challenging and difficult but that's what's going to change the world yeah Mm -hmm. those are both really good points i love how both y'all touched on the fact it's not a matter of who like we have people in our lives all around us that um i'm sure i'm on someone else's list but just of people (laughs) that are difficult to show mercy towards Mm -hmm. but that's part of god putting them in our life for that purpose and to be able to show that so that's really and I i think also um that that's that's how that's how we communicate the gospel in the practical life in the relational life on life preaching the gospel um, is you know when when we show mercy um, we we live that reality of who God is to us we live that to others but that's where you've probably heard me say before but then we got to make sure to close the loop and explain to them that that mercy comes yeah. from God. It doesn't come from me being a good guy. Right, right, That's not right. the point because what yeah. I would rather do <laughs> is be like, bruh, you know, hey, no. You know what I mean? That's what I would rather do. But it comes it comes from God's work, not only in, in me, but also, you know, extending that right, to those right. to those other people. Because the natural consequences, like you talked about consequences, they're going to come. Yeah. But we're not the ones who have to deliver them. That's right. You know? Yep. So that's that's really good. Really good stuff here. Uh, We got just a few more left. Number six is blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. The world's response is blessed are those who look good for they will impress others. And then the survey question is, is my heart open to God's healing and forgiveness? Jose, you brought in just the idea of confession, which I know in 
certain denominations or church background that kind of gets uh, twisted, I think a little bit, but there is such a healthy part of confession and both of you know, our lives, our spiritual walks. So I'd love to hear both of y'all's kind of um, takes with that and just how you weave that in as far as uh, seeking to have a pure, pure heart. Yeah, I love the Psalm uh, that David wrote after committing some terrible, terrible sins. Um, and he says, create in me a pure heart. Oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. And he's confessing in Psalm 51. That's it's yeah. it's a it's a psalm of confession. And James teaches us that when we confess our sins to one another, we are healed. And what is what God's doing is he's purifying our hearts. He's uh, getting the gunk out and he is creating a new heart within us. And um, it's so important for us to build lives that with clear consciences because stuff starts adding up quickly. And, you know, I do come from, you know, a Catholic background where confession is something you do every Saturday. I did it every time before I went on a big retreat. Um, <laughs> but every time I did it, it felt amazing. And that was a spiritual discipline that they took seriously. And I think it's one that we cannot forget about. We have encounter retreats at Cyprus where we do a, 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 a long time of confession, which is so good. But I think it's super important that we make that a, a habit between us and the Lord. And then, you know, reaching out to somebody is incredibly appropriate when, when things, you know, come up, just confessing our sins to one another. Yeah, that, that passage, the Psalm 51, that created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me and cast me not away from your presence mm -hmm. and take not your spirit from me. Mm -hmm. I think that that um, that that passion in David's heart to be close to God in that passage of Scripture reminds us that that in the presence of God there cannot be evil. Yeah, there, you know yeah. there cannot be sin yeah. in the presence of God, and so that desire in David, you know, before the new covenant came, is, I think is a great picture to us of what a heart of purity really is, mm -hmm. is to be purified by God and to be welcomed into his presence, which he welcomes us freely, you know, through through the forgiveness of our sins, through the work of Jesus on the cross. But that's that's what, a, you know, it's it's the same. Again, it seems to follow the the hungering and thirsting for righteousness yeah, right after. It's, as, as it's it's the work. It's the it, it, it's the re it's the work of God in our hearts and in our spirits to draw Him close to Himself. The desire for righteousness mm -hmm. brings us to that confession and to mm -hmm. the pure heart. Mm -hmm. And a confession is, you know, of course, we confess to one another. But confession and 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 like I like the way you said it needs to become a habit. Like it's almost like praying without ceasing. The concept of praying without ceasing, mm -hmm. a conf confession is a continuous tape rolling and rolling and rolling in my life, and it needs to be for us. I think it, that's just my opinion. Like it's, it's like as soon as you realize that the confession is needs to come, you know, yeah, um, to you first, and then if God puts it on your heart to take it somewhere else, mm -hmm. you have to do that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so much about just even this picture in my head of like uh, coming into agreement with God or just aligning with Him. And so 
the times where I don't think about confession or just don't even think it's worth it. It's typically when either I'm just so far out and I'm right where the enemy wants me because I'm not aware of my sin, or at least mm-hmm. I'm not just aware that I need uh, to confess. And so I think that that's just where part of that is figuring out and where I'm at and kind of where I, what I was doing as well as recognizing who God is. And like you were saying, just becoming in agreement with that is is so big. Number seven is blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. The world's answer is blessed are those who stir up the action for they get lots of attention. And the question here is, do my words and actions bring peace to those around me? So Jose, you touched on a few points. I wrote down just in my notes here about how God is on the throne and just kind of even just tagging on the fact that he didn't come to, I mean, he stirred the pot, but it was not out of a uh, political motivation or just a seeking power, but it was out of a spiritual uh, revolution. And Mm so I'd love to hear kind of y'all's thoughts about how you keep your words and actions to be ones that are bringing peace to those around you. Um, when I think about just my own life, how much I want control or how much I try to uh, end up causing more trouble based on the situations I'm in. There's enough discord out there. <laughs> and so I think we know, or at least we, sh- we, we need to be aware if we are just adding to the discord and adding to the noise or if we're actually um, absolving it or being uh, people of peace, which mm-hmm. bring peace. You're saying, you know, yes to all of those things. Those things are very real. Those things are happening. Those people are not you know, maybe the best people or they're definitely not doing good. (laughs) And so you can still uh, understand all of those things and yet be a maker of peace rather than continual discord. And again, going back to uh, the mercy that breaks the, the, the patterns of this world. I think this does as well. When we bring peace in a situation, in a conversation that, that also disrupts the enemy's plan to continue to divide and provide discord. Yeah, being a peacemaker is a big topic and a lot to unpack. I think um, for the at, at the most basic level, in my opinion, it's being a peacemaker is about the end game, the goal in our heart of whatever we engage with, because peace is not without conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, but peace is a, a commitment toward reconciliation, a commitment towards um, doing what's good for everybody around us. I think it's that's just another way to say what you just said, um, Jose. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, you can go on and on about that because there's different, there's, it's it's a multi-sided coin as some would say, yeah. you know, because there's, you know, there's sometimes where you, in order to make peace, you have to stand against what is evil because there is evil out there. And we'll just stop right there at that because that, like I said, that's a long rabbit trail. Mm-hmm. But you know, peace is not, necessarily without conflict but like you said it's not it's not stirring the pot just to you know it's like a little brother teasing teasing somebody like like messing with their siblings just to tick somebody off Mm -hmm. you know what i mean that's that's not being a peacemaker Mm -hmm. you know three and four year olds aren't peacemakers (laughs) usually you know two year olds (laughs) (laughs) but you know being a peacemaker is, is is working towards something and actually caring you know yeah. Not a lot of peacemaking going on on the Facebook. Yeah. You know? And and peacemaker is you know peace 
Jesus came to establish peace between us and God, That's right. not between neighbor and neighbor. And so Jesus does say, well, I didn't come to, you know, I, I actually came, I didn't come to bring peace. Yeah. I, he said that, right? That's and right. then he says, came I to came to bring, mm -hmm, and to bring son against father in, in a family. Well, what does that mean? This doesn't mean that, uh, it doesn't sound like Jesus is being very peaceful. Well, that's because the peace that he's establishing comes from Again, us and the Lord. When we have peace with God, then we're able to have mm -hmm. peace in our relationships. But primarily, I mean, he didn't fix Israel's situation. He didn't fix yeah. Israel's political, you know, issue. They were overthrown. Um, the, the temple was ransacked in 70 AD, you know, 70 years after, or 30 years after Jesus died on the cross and ascended into heaven. And so, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. We have to like think about it because it's totally different context of what we think peace is. Yeah. And yeah, it gets into the difference between his eternal plan and his plan for us yeah. and then the temporal that, that we live in in the here and now and the difference between the spirit, our spiritual lives and our spiritual mm -hmm. work and then the natural world and where those two things collide, which they inevitably do all right. the time everywhere. Right. So it becomes super complicated. We yeah. could do a five-year podcast on that. I'm ready to go. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, we'll save that for later. We got one more here, and that is number eight, which is blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The world's answer is blessed are the safe for they will be comfortable. And the good uh, survey question is, am I willing to suffer for Jesus? I think so much of this just even relates to sacrifice and what are we willing to sacrifice for God? And I don't have a question for the two of you because I think for listeners that are seeking to how to apply this, I would just tell them their homework is to hang out with you two because y'all both <laughs> exemplify this in your lives and not just when you're on church staff, but after five o'clock or even just before y'all both were on staff, just the way in which y'all have lived your lives and made this something that you not only are sold out for, but just willing to drop anything and everything to be with people and mm -hmm. just to care for the needs of those around you, whether it's a physical need, spiritual need, relational need. I've gotten a chance to experience that from both of y'all and I'm so grateful. And I think that for all of us, that's just something that both of y'all do so well and bring to the table. So I just want to end on that note. Wow. It's a little, a little sappy oh, for the conversations yeah. podcast, but, uh, but anyways, I appreciate y'all and your example for me on that. Jose, do you want to cap off this week and maybe give us a preview yeah, well, for I mean, what's to come? Even, I was really excited to answer this one because persecution is quite the fun, maybe not fun, but important talk, topic to talk about. And then uh, <laughs> anyway, there's more coming. It's We're going to continue to <laughs> dig through the Sermon on the Mount. And my hope is that you are um, surveying your life and demoing mm. the bad, rebuilding the good so that we can build lives our way. Excited to do this again next week. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time. <laughs>